Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us at Be Free Ministry Summer Gathering 2017. These are our Saturday sessions this morning. So excited that you've chosen to tune in, that you've chosen to call in, get on the Internet, whether you're at your home and your office, uh, in your car, wherever you might be. Thank you so much for joining us on this morning. We are so excited at Be Free Ministries about this new thing that the Lord has led us to do for this summer, to do our summer gathering online. This is such a wonderful way for us to spread the gospel to not only those in the United States, but throughout the world, sharing the love of God, sharing the ministry of God, sharing the word of God throughout this region. And so we're excited for this Holy Ghost revival back to basic theme that the Lord has given us for the summer gathering. We're thankful that we're able to take advantage of technology as we spread the word of God. So this morning, we have such a dynamic teacher that will bring forth the word of God. But before I introduce her, let me go in for a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord God, we thank you for our early rising today. God, we thank you that we woke up inside your kingdom. Hallelujah, God. We thank you that we awoke in our right mind, Father God, activity of our limbs, Lord God. We are healthy and well, Father God. Our family is blessed, Lord God, and we thank you, hallelujah, that we woke up, Father God, with blessings, Father God. We thank you that we woke up with you on our our mind, God, we pray that you be with us on this morning during this summer gathering, during these Saturday sessions, Father God, do what it is that you want to do, Father God, speak to our heart, God, speak to our mind, speak to our soul, Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, break yokes, God, destroy chains, Father God, set us free, God, deliver us, Father God, heal us, Father God, everything that you need to do, Father God, to set our house in order, to set our heart in order, to set our path in order, Father God, do it on this morning in the name of Jesus, God, help us to focus in on what you want to do with us this morning, Father God, let our ear be attentive, Father God, and our heart be receptive. Father, for the word that you want to deliver today. Hallelujah, God. I thank you, Father God, for the new things that you are doing in our lives, Lord God, for the new seasons that you're bringing forth, Father God, for that new wine that is coming forth. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for newness of life. Hallelujah, God, that your word says, Jesus, you make all things new. Hallelujah, God. So thank you for the new thing that you are doing for us during this season, God, we thank you. Oh, God, we bless you. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way. Hallelujah. Truly revive our soul. Hallelujah. Restore us. Hallelujah. Refresh us. Hallelujah. Revive us again. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And God, we set our hearts open, Father God. Our cup is set before you, God. Fill us up until we want no more. God, bless our speaker on this morning. God, thank you for her anointing, Father God, for her ministry, Father God, for the word that you have within her that will burst 
forth on this morning, God. Thank you, Father God, for covering her in your blood. Hallelujah. Thank you that there are no distractions, Father God, that every weapon that the enemy would try to use against her as she brings forth the word that it will come to nothing, that it will not prosper, Father God. Hide her, Father God, under your cross today, God, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. Father God, that this word that Minister Adams will deliver will accomplish much in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, thank you for joining us this morning. We're going to go right into the word of God with Minister Tawana Adams. She is such a warrior for God. She is a teacher in the body of Christ. She is going to look like, get your notebooks and get your pens, because she is going to take us deep into the word of God. She labors before the Lord for every word that she will will deliver to his people. And so she is going to take us in. She's going to speak the truth of God's word. She's not going to ask. She's not going to take away. She's going to give us an unadulterated word of God. And then she is an intercessor. She leads the prayer ministry at her church at Markham Chapel in Durham, North Carolina. She is a powerful intercessor who walks forth in that authority in Christ Jesus. And so I'm so honored and so blessed and so thankful that she agreed to speak to us this morning from the word that the Lord has given her. So I am going to be quiet, set my phone on mute so that I can receive the word that the Lord has to deliver us today. So Minister Adams, you have it. It's yours. Good morning to the saints of God. I'm excited on this morning about the word of the Lord. I'm always excited about his word and an opportunity to share it with his people. The word is what sustains us from day to day. And this topic in particular was one that had me stirred up in my spirit. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way this morning to speak forth what we need, your people, because I am the first partaker, O oh God, of the word that you have given. God, let it do something in me and those that are hearers of this word on this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the assignment that I was given by Minister Humphreys a few months ago was Holy Ghost Revival, Back to the Basics, and I didn't prepare a message with a title because that itself was title enough for what the Lord desired to speak. But even over the last few months, things that have just been happening and conversations that I've been having, and even as I was having a conversation with Minister Humphrey and just hearing the Lord speak based on just those few minutes, getting back to revivals, that is something that we are missing sometimes nowadays in the body of Christ. When I was a little girl, we had revivals every year where the churches came together. It wasn't just the church I attended that came and participated, but the churches came together. You had a church come every night of the week for the revival to come and join in and fellowship one with another to speak forth the word of the Lord, and we were all getting it together. But now we live in times where when revivals take place, Sometimes you don't have the participation from the people in the body of Christ for churches to link up together to come for revivals. But in terms of getting back to revivals, when we do go to these revivals that we're participating in, are they doing anything within us? Because when revival takes place, it starts with us and what is doing on the inside of us 
before it's doing something to the people around us after we've gone to the revival. There has to be a change taking place in us. Something has to be ignited, rekindled in us. When we're going to these revivals to be repositioned every time we're going into a revival for what God is speaking for for our lives for the season that we're in because seasons in our lives change often just like the seasons of the year. And we got to have the keen enough hearing to know what God is saying for that season that we're in. Amen. So another thought that dropped this morning was when I thought about boot camp in terms of the basic training and people go off for the six weeks or whatever period of time when they go into the military for the boot camp training. And oftentimes they're changed after going through that process because they're no longer that same person they were before in terms of their physical health, their mental health at that point because there's a change in their mentality about some of the things when they've gone through that boot camp process. So are we taking the time to, number one, go through basic training when there are others willing to train us up in areas that we need the training to take place? Or are we pouring back into the lives of others when God has poured in us to poured into us so much information? Are we sitting on that information that God has placed in us, or are we reaching out to others? Are we willing to take them on to train them up, pour into them, mentor them, equip them with the things that they need to go out to do the work of ministry so that we're all doing it together and it's not just a few people in the vineyard laboring for the harvest of souls that are out there? Or are we trying to hold on to what we get and not sharing it with anybody else because that wasn't what God intended he intended for us to be able to pour out into others as he's pouring into us so that we can go out together to do the work of ministry amen so first I am going to turn to the book of Acts because that is when the church was established in the book of Acts and you can go along with me if you like during the reading or just jot down the scriptures and in your time later you can go back and you can dig a little deeper on your own but the first scripture reference I'm going to be reading is from Acts the first chapter verses 1 through 9 and I am reading from the NIV translation and this is Paul speaking in my former book Theophilus I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God to them. So I'm going to pause right there after verse 3. Jesus had spent some time with these apostles after he had died, but he was back for a period of time to continue to speak to them and for them to see the proof that what the scripture said was being fulfilled. So he was giving them a little bit more time to build them up for their kingdom assignment. We all have a kingdom assignment. And God is speaking to us each and every day as a matter of whether we're listening or not to what he is speaking. Verse 4 On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Are we willing to wait for the promises that have been made for our lives? Are we willing to seek God for the promises for our lives? Because the promises of God are yes and amen. 
Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is something that has been given as a gift to every baptized believer. When we receive salvation, we receive God the Father, God the Son, and his Holy Spirit. It is a combo, just like when you go for a combo meal. They don't give you the food without having the drink with it. So everything comes together once we receive salvation. It's a matter of us tapping into it to utilize what God has placed on the inside of us. Otherwise, it's going to be there dormant, not doing anything because we're not pulling on it to rise up to do something through us. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So this is set by God's authority, the timing when Jesus is going to return. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So when the Holy Spirit came, there was power that we're going to see when we look over into the next chapter. But he told them, them this beforehand so that they would know what to expect. But sometimes we're told some things that we should expect. But by the time it actually comes, we're overwhelmed and blown away by the magnitude of what actually comes for us. So in verse, in the chapter following, chapter 2 of Acts, verses 1 through 12 and 17 through 21. I'm going to read a little bit of that. And since this is more of a teaching format, I wanted to give you all this scripture reference for this information that I'm talking about because it brings clarity as we read the word to understand what was being spoken. Verse number one, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw that they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Pygera, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretes, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this 
mean? So God had already given them this information beforehand, just like he'll tell us a thing beforehand. And when it happens, we're amazed and we're perplexed at him doing what he said he was going to do. Why are we surprised at what God has already said he's going to do for us? Did we not believe he was going to do what he said he was going to do? Or was our expectation lower than how he poured out what he actually ended up doing? Amen? So when God speaks, we got to know that God is going to do what he said he was going to do and have an expectation, anticipate what God is going to do. These were people from all these different areas. And when his Holy Spirit came, it amazed them because they were able to speak with new tongues. And there are different levels of speaking in tongues, but they were so amazed because no one had ever witnessed something like this before this particular incident with all of these different people speaking in a language that was not native to where they were from and for others to hear it. But that was the awesomeness of God when the church was being established. They had to reach the nations and not just the nation they were a part of. God wants us to reach the nations and not just where we are. So sometimes we may be in a setting where we begin to pray, and we're praying in a language that's not native to our own language, even though we're praying in the Holy Ghost. It may be a scenario where God will allow us to pray in a dialect that somebody's present, and they will recognize what God is speaking simply because his Holy Spirit has risen up in us, hallelujah, Jesus, and begins to speak. So don't hold back when God is moving in an area of our lives. Do what God say do by all means. Mm -mm. So at this instance when there were all these people gathered and they spake in the multiple languages, there were 3,000 that were added because they were with one spirit, with one accord. Oftentimes we're together with people that are all English-speaking people, but we cannot come together sometimes with one accord. And God is not able to move in the midst of what's going on because we won't come together in agreement with one accord. But here we have people that didn't even understand each other. Mm, mm, mm. But God moved mightily, and what was taking place for them to hear him and to come to convert their lives, those that had not been of the descent of the Jewish people to have heard the word, those that were the Gentiles and those that had been out with Jesus being taught by him on a day-to-day basis. So God was just reminding us through his word right here some of the basics of what we have to get back to in the body of Christ, of, number one, coming together with one accord within the body of Christ and not be so disjointed and separated in the body of Christ. It does not matter the name on the outside of a building. It does not matter what denomination, because there are no denominations in heaven. God simply put the body of Christ in the earth for us to do the work of ministry, to tell people about Jesus and the good news, hallelujah, And that wasn't a hard assignment that God has given us. But we have made it hard and changed it to something else. Hallelujah, Jesus. So when they were here at this gathering, 
they were all with one accord. The titles did not matter to them because they were all about doing the work of ministry. We get so caught up sometimes in a title, but that's not what's going to save a soul. What's going to save a soul is what's in our heart. Do we have the heart and the mind of Christ to reach out to others, to compel them to come to Jesus? Or are we going to be hung up on what we're called? It does not matter to me what somebody called me in terms of a title. What matters is me being a yielded vessel to God for there to be a difference to come about in that person that I'm linked up with for whatever reason. The basics of getting back to the basics for a Holy Ghost revival taking place are the very things that Jesus taught about. And Jesus taught the disciples when they were walking with him during this time frame. He taught about the basics of prayer and fasting as well as he did them. He didn't just tell them to do a thing and did not do it himself. And there were some very scriptures that I went to to cite some of the times when he was with them, teach and training them on prayer. There was one more scripture that I wanted to read before I move on out of Acts, the second chapter. Um, one of the things that came out of the church being established, verses 42 through verses 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the home, their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So these people had a heart for ministry, for coming together, linking up with the rest of the body of Christ. They were fellowshipping with one another. They were praying with one another. The needs of the people were being met, not just their spiritual needs, but their physical needs, because they were willing to forego their goods to make sure everybody benefited and was taken care of. Sometimes there's this mentality that rises up that it's all about me or what's in it for me. Are we really taking care of the needs of people when we see people have a need or it's always about what is somebody going to pay me for the service that I do for them or how am I going to get compensated if I give up my talents and my services Every gift we have came from God. And when God was talking about us giving a tithe, it's not just of our finances. There's some time, some talents that have to be tithed to utilize in the lives of other people for there to be a change. How are people being drawn and want to come if they always see us in a selfish mode of being about me, myself, and I? Jesus never was out to gain anything and we say we're christians so we are christ-like so that means sometimes giving of ourselves to meet the needs of others then when we take a look at some of the places where it talks about jesus 
and him teaching on prayer, one of the scripture references that came to mind was in the book of Matthew. First of all, in the fourth chapter, verse 19, when he said to Simon, Peter, and Andrew to follow, he was telling them to follow him, and he would teach them how to fish. He wasn't just talking about the natural fishing, but to become fishers of men. Are we willing to learn what to do to become the fishers of men, to reach people, that they will turn from whatever is going on in their lives and they will follow after Christ. Then he taught them on the gifts through the parable of talents. When we look at Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 14 through 30, I'm not going to read all of that, but just to give you an overview of that, this is something that you can go back to at a later time to read over in depth. He talked to them about the man that had given the talents to the three different individuals. One did something with all five of his talents. The other did something with the two talents that he had. But the man with the one talent, he put his in a hole in the ground and did nothing with it and then went back to get it out. The object of that, when I read over that, what God was speaking is, As we all have gifts that have been given to us, there's something we have to do to utilize the gifts. We have to pull on God to show us how to use them appropriately and not misuse or mishandle the gift that he has placed in us. Every gift he has given us is not for our own selfish purpose. It is to edify, exhort, and build up in the body of Christ because there are others that have need of what he has placed in us. Every joint supplies, so we can't just sit down on whatever gifts that are on the inside of us. We're supposed to be using those gifts. And just like in that parable with the talents, the one that had the five, he used everything he had to develop it and grow it into even more. Are we using the gifts God has placed in us for them to be developed and grow into even more that it won't just be that one gift or whatever that's within us, but we'll use multiples to get the work of ministry done, or if we don't use them like the one that buried him, buried his talent in the ground, it was taken from him and given to one of the ones that was willing to do something with it. Let's not put ourselves in a position of burying the gifts that God has placed in us for them to be taken away for somebody else to do something with it. Use the gifts that God gave us for what we're supposed to do to reach out to others, for there to be a change, bringing an impact in the kingdom and in the lives of people everywhere. We should never walk away from people and leave them in the same state that they were in when we came to them if we meet up with somebody that's weary or going through. There should be something to rise up in us enough to pray for them or do something that will help them be in a better position than when we arrived to them. Then Jesus talked about watching as well as praying. When you flip over to Matthew, the 26th chapter, verses 38 through 45, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was about to be arrested. And he had the disciples with him. 
and he asked them simply to pray with him for a little while, um, particularly when he was in verse number 38. He said, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, we all know that it was part of God's plan for Jesus to die in our place. But when he spoke it out of his mouth that he was overwhelmed and sorrowful for what he knew was going to take place, and he asked them to earnestly pray with him, and each time they were supposed to be praying along with him, they fell asleep. It was three times that they fell asleep on him. So my question to all of us this morning is, are we praying and awake on behalf of others when they're in need of our prayer for the trials that they're going through, or are we falling asleep when someone is needing us to pray them through? And it takes some endurance for us to be able to pray for people at any time of day or night. But are we willing to do it, or are we just going to roll over and go to sleep on them and let them just wither away and die because we don't want to be on post and miss out on our time of sleeping. Sometimes the Lord will quicken us even during the times that we're resting to wake up, to just get up and pray. Are we getting up at those times to pray? Or are we saying, I'm tired, I'm just going to lay here, and I'll pray laying here, and fall off to sleep and not have accomplished what the Lord is trying to do through us. So we need to stop and think about those things. We're talking about, a Holy Ghost revival, getting back to the basics. Because in times of old, when we think about in the church, the people were praying for one another. When Paul was in jail, the people were praying. And when he came to the gate, they didn't believe that it was him. If we're going to pray about something, we have to believe God that it's going to happen and not be shocked when it takes place. Amen. And then in Luke, the 21st chapter, verses 29 through 36, knowing that prayer is a key thing, Jesus again told them a parable about the fig trees, that they were going to sprout leaves, and we would see for ourselves that the summer is near. And then he said, even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. So there are going to be some things taking place around us that will help us recognize that the kingdom is near for when Jesus is going to return. But what are we going to be doing during those times? Are we going to be praying during those times? Because prayer is a key thing that's needed in times like these when we know we're in the end times right before he returns. It's going to take us praying, watching as well as praying in situations that are taking place. We're talking about getting back to the basics of prayer for that Holy Ghost revival to rise up in us. So when we think about the times that we're living in now in comparison to what was going on in the biblical times, are we living up to the standards that we need to be living up to of holiness? Or are we compromising and say anything goes at this point? God understands. We have the word. Jesus has redeemed us. He, our, his grace is sufficient, so I can do what I want to do 
and then go repent. It's okay. It's not okay. There's still a standard of holiness in spite of, yes, God sees and knows our heart. We're not living under the law. We're living under grace. Yes, we do. But when we know better, we have to do better. And we don't do it simply because we feel like we can and we got time. Because in the middle of whatever act that we're doing to sin, any of us could go out at that moment. None of us knows when our end is going to be. Why even take a gamble like that in life rather than doing what's right before the Lord? Amen. So an analogy that the Lord was showing me about getting back to some of the basic things in life is something as simplistic as the things that we view and see. Recently, I've started watching Westerns, and I never have liked Westerns when I was growing up. But that is something that the Lord has just been making me sit down and watch some of these old Westerns. And I'm like, why? I don't watch a lot of TV, but Westerns has been my choice of programming that I watch. But as I've watched the Westerns, the thing that I see is life was simplistic during those times. There was not all of the drama, the chaos, the confusion. There was none of the cussing and the things that we see in today's time for entertainment. That was what satisfied people during those times when the Westerns were big back in the early 1900s. They would simply sit and watch Westerns in black and white, and that satisfied them to be entertained. But we live in a time now where there's so much technology that everything is just broadcast. There are no filters to what the media will release. People can get on their phones and look up anything from people fighting to people killing each other. There's nothing that holds back what we see. But we have to have some filters for our spirits and what our spirits will accept based on what we choose to view or participate in. We have to have some self-discipline to get back to the basics for our lives of being in a posture of holiness before God. He is a holy God, and he has called us to be holy. So it's about choices of what we open ourselves up to, what we entertain. How are those things feeding our spirits or building us up to be in a posture of holiness for that Holy Ghost revival to take place in us, to operate in the fullness of what God has given us to operate in? Sometimes what tends to happen in life is we fit God into our schedule, a little block of time when we look at our calendar for what we can fit him into rather than us having an open calendar and we get on his calendar. God always makes himself available to us, but we seem to have a hard time making ourselves available for him, like he got to take a number. Just like when we go to the doctor's office, we wait three months to put him on our calendar for an appointment when he wants to meet up with us once a day at least or any time throughout the day at will to pour into us some of the things we need. It's not like he needs us. We need him. But we won't even make time in our day-to-day calendar for God, for him to do some things in us and through us. Amen. So that is some of the things that God had been dealing with me on concerning a Holy Ghost revival taking place and us getting back to the basics of where he's trying to take us in these times that we're living in. The world is not the same place that it was 10 years ago, even 20 years ago. It certainly is not the same place it was when we look at what was in the Bible. 
as time goes on, we're being exposed to more and more and more. And with more exposure, you would think more people are catching hold of the Word of God because there's so many different avenues that they're able to get the Word of God. But it seems like there's a greater falling away as time goes on because there's so many things seducing spirits that are capturing the attention of people rather than than them having their minds on Christ, their minds are on all these other things that are being presented to them. So we have to be mindful of our posture and what we allow to enter us. Even when we link up with other people, we can't compromise just because of what the next person is doing or to satisfy the next person for all that matter. We got to uphold the standard that God has given for us to live by. Amen. And be an example to others. When we say we are Christians, what are people seeing in us? Are they seeing a Christ-like life, a true effort for a Christ-like life being presented? Are we showing them love or are we turning our backs on certain people because they don't look a certain way, they don't smell a certain way, they don't have a certain socioeconomic status? Or are we receiving people with open arms to love them no matter what? Even people that aren't saved yet, and they may be a little rough on the edges, are we walking away from those people? Or are we staying in close proximity, sharing the word with them as God is chiseling little by little? God gives us strategies for all things, but we just have to be obedient, listening to him as he's given us those strategies. Amen. And that's what the Lord has for me today to share with his people. Amen. So I'll just pray to close us out from that word on this morning. Father God, I just thank you for your word on this morning. I thank you, God, for how you're dealing with each and every one of us individually as well as collectively in the body of Christ, that we will get back to the basics, oh God, and allow the Holy Ghost revival to break out in each and every one of us individually, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for repositioning us to be in the right posture before you, oh God, as we are here to make an impact in your kingdom. We thank you, God, for all the information and knowledge that you're exposing us to, Lord God, as you're building up, training, and equipping us, oh God to go out to the nations, oh God, for souls, oh God, to be saved in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for deliverance coming in the lives of those, oh God, in need of deliverance, that we won't be afraid, we won't take down, oh God, but we will stand with our feet flat, our shoulders square, and our face, oh God, as flint to do the work of ministry that you have assigned us to, Lord God. We thank you now for binding up every distract, distracting spirit that has been launched, oh God, to pull us off of our assignment. We come against every Sam Ballad and Tobias spirit, oh God, that attempts to pull us off the wall as they attempted to do with Nehemiah, oh God. We thank you for the persistence, oh God, that Nehemiah had, that we will have that same level of persistence to do, God, what you assigned for us to do, Lord God. Thank you for sending the help that we need, God, to get it done, that we will link up with others, oh God. Thank you, oh God, even for every denominational barrier being destroyed, God, that we will cross those lines of denomination, oh God, to do the work of ministry. We thank you, God, for the places you will carry us, oh God, to do 
the work of ministry, God, for the souls to be added just like it was in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when the church began. We thank you for adding souls by the thousands, oh God, that we won't just be satisfied, oh God, with one or two souls coming, God, although we rejoice for those souls, but God, we are putting a demand on your Holy Spirit that the souls will come by the thousands for salvation to come for all the many millions of souls that are around the world, God, still lost. God, we thank you, and we honor you, God, for building us up, oh God, for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, God, we just bless you and honor you on today. We thank you, oh God, even for opportunity, oh God, to broadcast it, oh God, through the new technologies, God, that people can receive the word all around the world, no matter where they are, oh God, they can still receive the word, oh God. We just bless you, and we honor and magnify you, God, for doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Minister Adams, for that word. I was jotting down some notes as you were talking and some things that the Lord was ministering to me about. Oh, my goodness. So thank you so much for laboring and for that word to deliver to us on this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank God for his word. Amen. And so I'm going to go right into the teaching that the Lord has given me. Uh, Mine is going to be so short and sweet, just some things that the Lord wants to remind us as we think about the Holy Ghost revival back to basics. I'm going to echo some things that Minister Adams said today. I'm going to echo some things that Prophetess Martin said on last night just getting back to the foundational principles that the Lord has given us to live this life as sons and daughters of his. With with everything that is going on in our world today, there are like tons of distractions (laughs) that are going on in this world today. And I found myself more recently being distracted by a lot of the things that are going on politically with our with President Trump, with Trump, excuse me, not Trump, but Trump, with Comey, with the different things that are going on with events that are surrounding our new president. And I'm telling you, I get news reports, and when they beep up on my phone, if I'm working with the kids, then I won't, you know, look at my phone. But later, I'm looking at my phone like I'm keeping up with the news, and it really, I'm just recognizing it really has become a distraction for me, and so I need to make some adjustments with myself getting back to the basics of what the Lord has called me to do. I don't have to know every news uh, cycle that's going on. I could just pray and let the Lord lead and guide me into the things that I need to know and the things that I need to pray about. So even as I bring forth this word, God is ministering to me as minister. I said, we the first, we are the first partaker of the word that the Lord gives to us to deliver to his people. So today I'm going to focus on one principle scripture, and then I'm going to give us some other scriptures that you can uh, write down, just jot them down, or you can pull up the word, your word on your phone, on your tablet. Um, I have mine pulled up on my computer, so I am ready to go. So the principle scripture that the Lord has given me is Colossians 2 and 7. And in the most of my scriptures are going to come from the New Living Translation, uh, because that's the the translation that I prefer, and then a few from the King James Version. So Colossians two and seven says, "Let your root grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him, meaning God. Then your faith." 
will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love this scripture, especially the overflow with thankfulness, but we want to focus on letting our roots go uh, grow down into him and letting our lives be built on him. So I got to thinking about, okay, roots, right? And so I grew up with my granddaddy. He had a garden, and so we would till the, uh, till the ground, prepare the ground for the plants that we were de- to, de- to deposit. And then, of course, when it was harvest time, we would go and, and, and just gather up the tomatoes. We would eat the tomatoes fresh from the vine. That's some good eating. We would pull up the corn, the cabbage. We had watermelon. Um, and I can't think of any, I think we had we, green beans, snap peas, like we would harvest. And of course, we would see the roots from the vegetables that we were planting, that, that those roots grew down. And so you had to make sure that the seed was in the ground in order for the roots to fully develop, because there are some things that need to take place. Photosynthesis, we need the sun, we need the water, we need good soil in order for roots to take place and for plants to grow, right? And so I remember that. I thought about that growing up. And then as I thought about roots, I was like, well, um, I thought about foundations, you know, so you have to have a solid foundation in order for buildings to be established and for them to be as tall as like the Sears Towers, like buildings in New York and other places that are just several uh, floors off the ground, several feet off the ground. You have to have a solid foundation or some deep roots, if you will, in order for that building to take place. So I looked up different building foundations. I was just, I'm I'm curious, you know, so I like uh, research and I like to know things and understand things. So there are two different types of foundations. There are traditional foundations for buildings, and then there are the modern foundations for buildings. So the traditional uh, foundations are earth fast, what they call earth fast, or ground construction. That is when wood makes contact with the ground. So you have wood in the ground in order for that foundation to be strong and sturdy for that building to stand, right? And then we have pad stones. So pad stones are single stones that are used to raise timber from the ground. It made me think of the types of houses that were made like in the, I would say like the 1800s, 1900s. Even I'm thinking the slave quarters because I've been to Bennett Place. And so, and then we went to the African-American Museum just this week. And so it had a replica of like one of the slave houses. So you have those pad stones that are sticking in the ground, like there's four to make the foundation, and then you use wood to build on top of that. So that's the pad stones. It didn't look like a very sturdy foundation, but, you know, we know that some of the houses that were built several hundred years ago are still standing. And then there's a third found, third foundation called the stone foundation. And then didn't have really much about the stone foundation in my research. But then the fourth is the rubble trench. So the rubble trench is when you build a trench, you know, like your square rectangle, however, um, whatever shape the building is going to be, you build a trench in the ground and then you um, fill it up with 
stones in order for that foundation to be built. I thought that was really interesting, right? And so those are the traditional foundations. And then we have the modern foundations, and they're considered to be either shallow foundation or a deep foundation. I didn't go too much into that research, but the shallow foundation or the deep foundation. And I was just like, okay, so we as women of God, as men of God, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, we need to make sure that our foundation in God is deep. Like we need the trench, like we need the rubble, like we need the earth as we need to have that wood meeting the ground in our foundation in the Lord, right? And so in order for those buildings to stand strong, those particular foundations are are built based on like the the culture, based on the area, based on what uh, what the ground produces in order for that building to stand fast, right? And so I thought about building, thought about the vegetables planting in the garden, but the last thing I thought about were tree roots. And we understand that the Bible makes a lot of reference to trees, you know, Psalm 1, trees, um, uh, in Matthew and some of the Gospels, trees. And so I thought about the roots of trees. And so there was this, uh, I don't know if he was a scientist or a botanist, I don't remember his exact title, but he is a gentleman in Stockholm, and he did, like, research of 500 different types of tree roots. And so he did this research, and he found that one of the deepest roots for a tree was, like, 28 feet deep into the ground, like the normal um, roots for trees is like four to five inches or seven to nine inches, but he found one tree that was 28 feet deep into the ground, and I thought that was so amazing that those roots went down deep, and again, that is why the Lord would have our roots to be deep down, so rooted in him that when storms come, when tsunamis come, when hurricanes come in our life, that we will stand strong, that we will stand firm. Why? Because our roots are so deeply grounded in God, in his word, in who he is, in his love, that we will stand firm. Whenever the enemy will try to shoot those fiery darts at us, try to burn down our building, burn down this temple, burn down our foundation, we will stand strong because our roots go down deep in God. Hallelujah. So I love looking, I love looking up those analogies just at different roots and different foundations. And so that's what the Lord gave me as far as thinking about roots, thinking about foundations, but there are some principles that God wants us to be refreshed in or reminded of so that our roots can stay deep in him so that again when those storms come we won't be like a tree that topples over we will stand firm in who he is and in who we are in him so the first thing we need to make sure that we do this on a daily basis is study the word of God. I know that life is busy. Like I'm a single person and my like I don't have anybody to come home to. I don't have to cook if I don't want to. I can have a bologna sandwich or a bowl of cereal, a, a, a pop a, a bag of popcorn and I'm good. So I don't have like responsibilities that, you know, of a wife or a husband or children. And even then I find it sometimes hard to take the time to study the word of God, but we need to make studying the word of God a daily practice in our life. Just like we need to breathe, we need air to breathe, we need to make sure that we are studying the word of God, and I'm preaching to myself right now, studying the word of God on a daily basis 
basis, the word of God lets us know who God is. It reminds us, encourages us in who we are in Christ Jesus. So the scripture that I have for that is Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. It says, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. When we study the word of God, it is God showing us his ways, showing us his path, showing us his heart. He gives us direction. He gives us guidance. He shows us the dangers that are ahead. When we study his word, we get to know his heart. Hallelujah. We get to know his mind when we study the word. We get to know the plans that he has for us, for our family, for this world. God, show us your ways in your word. And and as we are studiers of the word, we know that we can read one scripture today. Ten months later, we can read that same scripture, and God gives us new revelation. He gives us new insight. That is why it is for, for that different season, because we understand we go through seasons in life. So he gives, God gives us new revelation, new insight as we study his word, even the same scriptures over and over again. God gives new revelations for the seasons that he has a lot or set in place for our lives. So we need to make sure that we Study the word of God. That is when our roots will grow deep, deep in God. Get to those 28 feet deep roots in God so that nothing will sway us or turn us away from what we know God has said. You know, it is, it's easy to share our lives with people. Like if we're going through a situation, whether it's a marital situation a relational situation, something going on with our boss, it's easy to share that thing with our girlfriend or with our spouse or with um, our pastors or with our sister or brother in Christ. It's easy to share that and get that advice from them. But we need to make sure that that advice that they're giving us is lining up with the word of God. God's word is true. It is right 365 days of the year. So we need to make sure that even if we are listening to to godly counsel and wisdom for others, that we're making sure that if we follow that, it is lining up with the word of God. That's another reason why we need to know the word, because people will tell us anything from their flesh, from their own experiences, from what they think. But we need to know the word of God for ourselves so that we can live out this life as God intended. So we need to make sure that we're in God's word, that he will show us the way that he has for us to take. Every one of us has a destiny. And God has outlined that destiny for us in his word. We need to just dive in, delve in, and get all that God has for us through his word. We need to study his word, meditate on his word day and night. I promise you, God's word will never lead you astray. Let me tell you, it will never lead you wrong. It will always lead you in truth. It will always lead you down that right path. So we need to remember to study the word of God. Even when we're out and about, like if you're like me, you have the Bible app on your phone or on your tablet. Even when we're out and about waiting in line at the grocery store, waiting for our doctor's appointment, sometimes at a red light, I'm pulling out my phone. So we just need to take time during the day, every day, to study the word of God. Amen. 
Amen. And so then we need to pray. Now, we know this. We need to pray every day, right? And so First Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. Now, I understand that we have work. We have family. We have community organizations that we are a part of. We are living out life. So praying every single second, every single minute of every single day is impossible. But the word, in my understanding, is have an atmosphere of prayer, making sure that our mind and our heart and our soul is so focused in on God that our attitude, that our demeanor, that our heart, that our lives is one of prayer. So when those situations come up on the job that will try to frazzle us or get us off kilter, that we immediately go into a word of prayer. God, I need your help right now. God, I need your strength right now. God, show me the way. God, show me how I am to deal with this coworker. God, show me how I am to balance or manage the extra load that my boss has just put on me. God, give me the strength. Give me direction. Guide me. We need to have an atmosphere fear of prayer. So that's what First Thessalonians 5 and 17 means. Pray without ceasing, having a heart, a mind, an atmosphere of prayer. And when we pray, we understand that we are communing with the Lord. I heard a pastor give the analogy of prayer is that when we breathe in in prayer, when we breathe in, we're taking in God, like his goodness, his love, his peace, his joy, his, the essence of who he is. And then when we breathe out, we're breathing out the toxins, the weights that the enemy try to put us on, the boxes that people try to put us in, the, the damage that the enemy has tried to do to us from our past. We're breathing out all of those toxins, that natural carbon dioxide, but we're breathing spiritually out those toxins when we exhale. So prayer is like an even exchange. We are not only communing with God and and. and and, and loving on him and allowing him to love on us. But in that, those moments of prayer, in those moments of spending time with the Lord, he is giving us him. He's taking away those things that are not like him, those bad attitudes, those uh, negative thoughts, those words that we should not be speaking, and he is giving us the very heart of who he is. So it is imperative that we spend time in prayer, communing with our Father. God gives us in prayer direction. He gives us guidance. He lets us know the dangers that are ahead. He forewarns us of some things that are going to take place in our lives so that we are prepared to handle those things. Yes, God's God is a talking God. He speaks to us all the time. And one of the greatest ways he speaks to us is in prayer. So we need to make sure that we are taking that, that time, carving out time in our day to pray, letting go of the cell phones, the TV. Sometimes we have to tell our children to hold on, spouse hold on. I need to spend some time with my father. So we need to keep an atmosphere of prayer, a heart of prayer, an attitude of prayer. Amen. Amen. And so next we're going to go into prayer and fasting. So, you know, when I was growing up, I used to hear about fasting all the time. It's like every time I turned around, somebody was bringing forth a word on fasting. And I don't hear much about fasting like I used to, but fasting is still right. Fasting is still one of those basics that we as sons and daughters of God need to take part in. So prayer, and don't pray without, I mean, don't fast without praying. I'm telling you, I've tried. Don't fast without prayer. Prayer and 
fasting are coupled together to keep our spirit strong while our flesh may be a little weak because of that deprival of food. The scripture that I want us to go to for that is Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 16 through 18. I want you to take note that Matthew 6 verses 1 through 18 talk about prayer, one section, and then we have the fasting. But I really want us to focus in on 16 through 18, and it says, and when you fast, Don't make it obvious. This is my New Living Translation. As the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that it is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will re- will reward you the king james says your father who sees in private will you know reward you openly so when we fast and pray we should not look like we're fasting and praying we should not have an attitude of woe is me have to turn my plate over to fast have to turn my plate over to pray for for, for the events that are happening in this world. I need to turn my plate over and fast for Africa because the Lord wants to do some things there. I have to turn my plate over and fast for my marriage because the Lord is bringing some deliverance and healing there. Nobody should know that you are fasting, just you, you and the Lord. So we need to make sure that our appearance is still happy, that we're cleaning up, that we're looking good, even when we are fasting. It is a time, fasting is, a time for us to commune with the Lord. It is a time for us to seek the Lord. It is a time for the Lord to reveal to us some 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 answers to some prayers that we've been praying for. Um, if we're having if we're dealing with situations in our life, like I said, marital things, or if your your children are just off on a wayward path, or you know you want to pray for the nations, for this country, for other countries, it is a time that we set aside to focus not on our physical man, feeding this physical man, but needing our spirit to be strong. A lot of times I fast whenever I'm going through different situations in life, and I really need to hear from the Lord. Like, I need to let all distractions go. I need to really have that tunnel vision and focus into what the Lord is speaking to me during this time. A lot of times when I'm transitioning seasons, I feel it. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm transitioning. It's time for me to fast. And I'll fast so that I can hear clearly what the Lord is saying for this new season or for this new transition that I'm about to embark on. Sometimes I get up in the morning, and I don't even know I'm fasting for that day, but I'll go throughout the day, and I'm like, oh, God has put me on a fast today. (laughs) So there must have been some things that he needed to purge out of me, because sometimes the Lord will put me on a fast, and I don't even really know it, but God is doing something. He knows about it. He's doing something within. So when we fast, we need to make sure that we're still looking good, that we're um, humbled ourselves, that we have surrendered ourselves so that the Lord can do the work that he wants to do within us or so that the Lord can reveal those answers to those prayers that we have been praying about. So fasting is still right. Turning our plate over is still right in order for the Lord to do what he wants to do. And sometimes fasting and praying can get things to us quicker, like we've been praying and those answers are coming. Sometimes fast and prayer will bring a quick 
answer. And then the Bible says in Matthew 17 and 21, it says, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting, sometimes deliverance cannot take place unless it's time, unless a prayer and a fast is taken place. I remember one morning, I uh, it was my very first time doing deliverance, and I didn't eat. I normally don't eat on Sunday mornings because I got in the habit when I was younger. I, I read this scripture. Um, and just to give you a little bit of history about Matthew 17 and this particular scripture, there was a man whose son, he, he named his son a lunatic. Like his son will, would, would like throw himself in the fire, throw himself in the water. He was a lunatic because he was demon-possessed. And so he, this father took his son to the disciples, and they could not cast out this devil. And so, of course, when Jesus came, he did reprimand his disciples, but he cast out these demons, and he says to his disciples, and, 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 and that how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So this particular, so I got in the habit, I read the scripture, and I took it to heart, so I got in the habit of not eating before I go to church, because I never know how the Lord wants to use me. And so this particular Sunday morning, the, the, the devil just revealed himself through actually a friend of mine, and, and, and it was myself and the pastor. He was saying he was going to stop off and get something to eat, but he did, and so both of us had been fasting, and we were able to, you know, to cast out those devils from this young lady because, again, something cannot be delivered. Some demons aren't going to come out. We're not going to experience deliverance. We're not going to see changes in our lives unless we fast and pray. It is okay to turn your plate over for a day, for two days, for a week, for 10 days. 10 days is the longest I have ever fasted. Thank you, Lord. But but what, however long the Lord is setting us on a fast or however long we know we need to fast in order for that deliverance to take place or in order for that answer to come, we need to do it. I promise you, God will reward that sacrifice. Hallelujah. He will pour into you exactly what is needed, exactly what you were fasting for um, during that time of fast and as you come out on the other side of that fast. God will honor your time of sacrifice to him. So we need to make sure that we are praying and fasting. Next thing we need to do, a next basic that we need to make sure that we are operating in is praise and worship. So I love praise and worship. Like praise and worship is like the best to me. Like I will sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs before the Lord because I just, I love to sing. And a lot of times the Lord gives me songs as I'm worshiping him, as I'm praising him. And I'm so thankful for having that type of relationship with God that I can get the prophetic songs. And you can feel like it's open for us all, right? And so praise and worship should be a daily part of our lives. Sometimes, most times when I'm walking into that school building to start my day, I'm singing. Like I'm walking in the building singing. I don't even care who's around. I don't care who's checking in with me. I'm singing. I'll sing low as not to, you know, whatever. But I'm singing a song, you know, usually in my heart or verbally when I'm entering that building because I want to have an atmosphere of praise and worship. And so, um, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, it tells us to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise and worship should be a daily 
part of our lives. No, you don't have to sing in tune. No, you don't have to be on the right key. It's okay with God. Your your spouse may not like it. Your kids may not like it. Your neighbor, your coworkers may not like it. But you're singing unto the Lord, so it's okay if it's off key, if it's not in tune. As long as we are singing and worshiping and giving thanks to God for the many things that He has done in our lives, so praise and worship should be a daily part on our, of our lives. And not just as we go about our day singing and psalms and hymns, but we should carve out time uh, in our day to worship the Lord. Sometimes that praise and worship could be a part of your prayer time, or it could be a part of your study time, or it could be just another part of the day that you carve out to commune with the Lord through through, um, praise and through worship. But we shouldn't wait till we get to church on Sunday morning. We shouldn't wait till we go to Bible study on Wednesday nights or to the, the week revival. We should sing Songs, hymns, and spiritual songs making melody in our heart toward the Lord on a daily basis. I'm telling you, sometimes praise and worship has kept me, hear me good, from saying words that I shouldn't say to somebody who has either made me mad or got under my skin. Sometimes that psalm and hymn will rise up when I want to say something I shouldn't be saying or do something I shouldn't be doing. That I'm telling you, for me, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, praise and worship is a life preserver for me. It is a healing for me. It is a, a nurturing and a um, just a joy for me to have that heart of praise and worship before the Lord. And I love that the scripture says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And also Philippians 4 and 4 says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16 says, rejoice evermore. Let me tell you, we need to praise and worship when things are going good, when things are going bad, when we're feeling indifferent, when we don't know how we feel. Praise and worship will change our atmosphere. It will change our attitude. It will change our thinking, hallelujah, keeping an atmosphere, a heart of praise and worship. That is a basic thing. We need to get back to the basics and make sure that we are praising and worshiping our Lord, our Savior, on a daily basis. Amen. Amen. Um, Last thing I want to say as we get back to basics is warfare. Warfare is just a basic principle that every Christian should participate in. Why? Because the enemy is a roaring lion walking about seeking who he can destroy. Yes, you as a son of God. Yes, you as a daughter of God. He is trying to destroy you. He is trying to kill you. He is trying to break you down. He is trying to use every weapon he can against you to get you off focus from God, to get you to even separate from God, to sever your relationship with God. Yes, that's that's what he's trying to do. So we, as sons and daughters of God, we need to make sure that we are warfaring on our behalf, on on behalf of our family, on behalf of our church, on behalf of our country, on behalf of our community. We need to be warfaring to make sure that the enemy's plans are squelched, that his plans will not come to to our fruition, and that the kingdom of God will arise, that the kingdom of God be established, that the kingdom of God be advanced. I remember my mom telling stories about um, 
fighting when she was younger. Like my mom, it would be nothing for my mom to throw down, right? If you bothered her or if you bothered one of her siblings, she was ready to throw down. Like it was nothing to her. And that's how we should be in the spirit. It should be nothing to us to combat against the enemy. It should be nothing for us to warfare against the enemies. Why? We win, y'all. The enemy has been defeated. We win. We are victors. We triumph over the enemy, but we must use the weapons of warfare that the Lord has given us in order to maintain that victory, in order to walk out us being more than conquerors and us triumphing. We need to use the weapons of our warfare according to Ephesians 6, and I'm going to read it in its entirety, Ephesians 6, chapter 10 through 18. This is a King James Version. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Actually, this is not the King James Version, so I'm reading like it's written. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Uh-oh, I went into First Corinthians. Hold on, let me get back to Ephesians. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this up, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Yes, God has given us weapons. We are not alone in this fight, y'all. We have been given spiritual weapons to fight against the enemy, the helmet of salvation, the the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, our feet, as the King James Version says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, of sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have been given these weapons and we need to use them, y'all. We need to use them to fight against the enemy. That is a basic in the kingdom of God for us to war against the enemy. We should not just allow the enemy to come in and run roughshod over our families, over our destiny, over who we are in Christ Jesus. When we see the enemy rearing his ugly head, when we see him bringing strife, division, dissension, heartache, fear, sickness, we need to take out our weapons, have our weapons ready, matter of fact, to combat that weapon that the enemy is trying to use against us. There have been many a times that I have pulled out my weapons and cut off the head of the enemy. We've got to fight, y'all. You may, you may be like me. I have never, ever been in a natural fight in all of my life, and I thank God for that. But when I came in Christ Jesus, I had to learn how to fight in order to um, make sure that I I stayed strong and firm in God and to make sure that I wouldn't allow the enemy to destroy the destiny that God has placed within me. So, y'all, we've got to fight. Sometimes we 
want to fight people because people are saying things to us or people are saying things about us or people have done things to us. Know this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It is the enemy using that person to get us off course, to distract us, to take our focus off of God. So we need to make sure that we are in tune with God, that we are discerning of who is speaking, of who is at work, the enemy, and making sure that we are combating the enemy, that we're coming against the enemy, not that person, but the enemy that is working through that person, okay? So we've got to be ready to fight. We have to be on our post to fight against the enemy. So getting back to basics, studying the word of God, praying, prayer and fasting, praise and worship, and using our weapons of warfare. Amen. And I keep hearing the word intercession, intercession. So I want to go ahead and make sure that I um, say that we need to intercede for other people. So prayer is our time to commune with the Lord, to spend time with the Lord, for the Lord to, you know, heal us, to deliver us, to get out those toxins within our lives, like those spiritual toxins within our lives and pour himself into us. But intercession is another level of prayer. It is a time that we stand in the gap for other people. Those other people could be our family members, our coworkers. It could be even somebody that you don't even know. I have had times in my prayers or in my intercessory time that the Lord will drop a name in my spirit. I don't know this person from from anybody. Like I have no idea who this person is, but the Lord will drop that name in my spirit and I will begin to pray what I hear the Lord saying. So sometimes yes, we are interceding for people that we know because they've asked us to pray or because we know, you know, life situations that our families going through, our coworkers are going through, our sisters and brothers in the world. We know their situations in some instances, so we intercede for them. But sometimes we intercede for people that we don't know. And that's okay. If God gives you a name, intercede for that person. Stand in the gap for that person. Your prayer is accomplishing much on behalf of that person or on behalf of that group of people or on behalf of that family name that you have never heard before. So we need to make sure that we are standing in the gap for other people through prayer. Sometimes people are on the brink of suicide. Sometimes marriages are on the brink of divorce. And so we need to make sure that when the Lord gives us a name or when the Lord tells us, you know, we're on the job and the Lord says you need to go in the bathroom and pray or you need to close your office door or you need to go, you know, out on the balcony or out, you know, behind the building or whatever, you need to go pray right now, making sure that we take heed to that. Now, don't, don't jeopardize your job. And God wouldn't lead us to jeopardize our job. I don't believe that at all. But in those moments when God is leading us to intercede for someone, we need to make sure that we do that because we don't know what that person is going through or what that family is going through or what that group of people are going through or even what that nation is going through. So we who are strong must bear the infirmities of the weak. And intercession is a basic principle for all Christians. We are to stand in the gap for others in need. Because let me tell you something, there are there have been intercessors, and I know it, especially in my younger years when I was really just going through some situations in life, um, and then I'm thinking, I'm thinking like younger years, early 20s, I felt 
the prayers of my intercessors. Like I knew that the Lord had put Stephanie Humphrey's name in somebody's spirit and they were praying for me. Like I felt the prayers of my intercessors. And I remember going through a season of praying for my intercessors and thanking God for them. Because let me tell you something, as we are interceding for others, God is allowing others to intercede for us so that all of us are covered, so that our back is covered, right, so that we are all taken care of. So just make sure, again, that we are interceding for other people. We just need to get back to the basics of all the distractions that are in our world today. We need to make sure that we are getting back to basics so that we are experiencing personal revivals. We don't have to wait till our church or a neighboring church is having a revival. We can have our own personal revival right in our living room, right in our car. Wherever we are, God can revive us. He can restore us. He can refresh us. That is a basic um, benefit of being a son and daughter of God, being revived. Sometimes we need it on a daily basis. Sometimes we might can go a week without a revival, but we need to be experiencing revival throughout our lives, throughout the lives of our families, throughout the lives of our churches, like on a normal basis, whether that's daily, whether that's weekly, whether that's monthly, whatever that looks like for you, we need to be experiencing a revival. And we need to make sure that in our personal lives, we are getting back to the basics and we are encouraging our family and our sisters and brothers in the Lord to get back to those basics as well. Amen. Amen. So that is the word that the Lord has given for me to deliver Holy Ghost Revival back to basics. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on this morning for our Saturday sessions. It is such a wonderful um, privilege for me to bring the summer gathering into the homes, into your office, into your car, wherever you may be through technology. I thank God for the use of technology and being able to share the word on a larger scale. So thank you again for joining us today. And so in the morning at 8 a.m. Sunday morning, my mom Sister Brenda Humphrey will close us out. She will close out the summer gathering with a word that the Lord has given to her. Please join us at 8 a.m. You can listen to mom as you're getting ready for your own um, Sunday morning service. So just tune in so that we can hear what the Lord has to say through my mom, okay? So again, thank you for joining us. Make sure that you share the information with your family and friends. Let them know what God is doing during this summer gathering. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to close with a word of prayer, and then we will be dismissed. Father God, I thank you for these Saturday sessions, God, I thank you for the word that was brought forth through Minister Adams. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that we will take the heart, the word that she delivered to us, God, for us to, to unite as a body, for us to stand in the gap for those who are in need in order for us to help other people, to not be so selfish, God, for, but for us to reach out and help other people so that none of us are in lack. God, thank you for that word that she delivered for us to get back to the basics. God, I thank you that you will uh, bless her, God, pour back into her everything that she has given out to us, Father God. Help us to study the scriptures and, and, and acts, Father God, that she gave us. Father God, help us to to study the scriptures in Matthew that she gave us. Let that word 
sink down deep within our spirit, Father God. Continue to minister to us, Father God, those words that minister Adam delivered to us so that we will walk forth in our personal revival, so that we will walk forth getting back to those basics, Father God, that you have aligned for us, for us who are sons and daughters of you, God. I thank you for every listener, Father God. I thank you that you will continue to minister to them as this day progresses, as this weekend progresses. Father God, continue to revive us and restore us, God. Heal us, deliver us, God. Set us free, God. Set us on the path that you have uh, uh, outlined for us, Father God. Help us to walk down the path that you have set for us, Father God. Help us not to be conformed to this world, Father God. Help us not to be conformed to words that people have spoken over us, God. Help us not to be conformed to the box that people try to put us in, Father God, but help us to walk down the destiny or walk out the destiny that you have placed within us. Help us to walk down the path that you have set for us, Father God. Help us not to surrender to the limitations that people have tried to place on us, God, but help us to break free, Father God. Help us to get out of the box, Father God. Help us to do what you have called us to do, God. Help us to be who you've called us to be, Father God. Help us to speak the word that you have placed within our belly to speak, Father God. In the name of Jesus, God, help us to do it unashamed. Help us to do it unapologetic, Father God. Help us to do it bold, Father God. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the destiny that you have placed within each and every one of us. God, I feel that strong, Father God, that our destiny is sure, that our destiny is set, that our destiny is settled, Father God. So help us to tap into it, Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, even if it doesn't look what look like what we think it should look like, even if it doesn't look like what we've seen others do, Father God, even if it looks unique, Father God, even if it looks different, God, help us to tap into the destiny that you have placed within us, God. Help us to go forth in it, Father God. Help us to run, Father God, toward that destiny and walk it out, run it out, cartwheel it out, Father God, in the name of Jesus. God, help us to go forth, Father God, in that great destiny that you have placed within us, Father God. Hallelujah. Without fear, God. Hallelujah, God. Build us up on the inside, God. Build us up in confidence, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Not in pride, God, but in confidence. It is okay for us to be confident in the gifts that you have placed within us, God, and in the destiny that you have placed within us, God. Let us be confident in it, God. Let our calling and election be sure in you, Father God. And help us to get back to those basics, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, God. We thank you that you protect us, Father God, that you protect our families, God, everyone we hold dear. Thank you for keeping us this day and for protecting us, God, and letting no hurt, harm, or danger befall us, Father God. We love you, God. We honor you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us, and you are dismissed. Amen.